Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's November the 17th, 2022. How do I know that? How can we be sure? I'm sure there are people who will argue it's November the 16th or 18th, actually, as it happens. Uh, person I'm about to talk to um, is in Australia, so I guess it is November the 18th. I look at my Google Watch or my Apple Watch, and it tells me, and I trust it. But the issue of trust and information, of course, is a complicated one in our internet age. We just did a show about Section 230 on the internet and an imminent Supreme Court case, Gonzalez versus Google, and one of the few resources I trust, very controversial issue, very divisive, one of the few resources I trust, maybe fairly or unfairly, is Wikipedia. So in my conversation uh, with uh, Jeff Kosev, who has a new book out on uh, Section 230, I relied on Wikipedia, this collectively edited um, encyclopedia of knowledge about the world, I uh, relied on its um, Section 230 entry, which I'm guessing is enormously controversial from an editorial point of view, and the Communications Decency Act that generated it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Gonzalez versus Google relates to the reliability, trustworthiness of content about ISIS on YouTube, which of course is a Google-owned company, uh, we trust Google. I think we probably trust YouTube a little less. Uh, but above all else, I think we probably trust Wikipedia. And the question is, should we or shouldn't we? My guest today has a new book out on Wikipedia, dealing with its trustworthy or untrustworthiness. Um, she's a Heather Ford. Uh, she's talking to us from Sydney, Australia. And her new, very intriguing book is Writing the Revolution, Wikipedia and the Survival of Facts in the Digital Age. Heather informed me that we'd met several years ago in Berkeley, uh, 2007. Uh, Heather, uh, we're relying on your memory for that. I, I wonder if we could find it in Wikipedia. Definitely not. <laughs> I've had my run-ins in the past with Jimmy Wales, although I have to admit, and I've said this publicly before, I think of all the things I've argued, I was probably most strong on Wikipedia. When it came about in the middle of the 2000s, uh, I thought it was an absurd idea, but it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, this book, Writing the Revolution, is a fascinating project, Wikipedia and the Survival of Facts in the Digital Age. You follow one story to make sense of the architecture or genealogy of information, the Egyptian revolution. Tell me about the book and the project, Heather. Great. So, yeah, the story of the Egyptian revolution um, and its documentation on Wikipedia started actually the day before the protests began in Egypt on the 24th of January. So the protests were scheduled or scheduled, um, depending on which hemisphere in, um, for the 25th of January in Cairo and other parts of, of Egypt. And uh, a Wikipedia user who was Egyptian 
in his 20s at the time, uh, called The Egyptian Liberal, actually prepared the article the day before protests began. Heather, maybe we should have, uh, he, maybe he should be renamed The Egyptian Borges. Because uh, this is a story <laughs> that Borges could have written that history itself was written before it happened. Yes, um, I love Borges and he's, um, he's great to think about in terms of Wikipedia. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess in lots of ways it was a hope, it was a wish um, for what it might become. But yeah, that's all it was at that stage before that. And funnily enough, um, or perhaps not so funnily enough, the Egyptian Revolution and Wikipedia are both in incredibly idealistic endeavors. The Egyptian Revolution ended in tragedy and in tears, whereas the Wikipedia Revolution, still not entirely clear how that one's going to end. Is that fair? Absolutely. Um, Wikipedia is probably more powerful than it has ever been, uh, even though it's actually uh, less popular than it was. So I think it's about seventh most popular website in the world now. Um, but it's most powerful now because of the ways in which its facts are extracted by all the other major platforms like uh, Google, uh, most importantly, but also virtual assistants like Alexa and Siri. Yeah, I, I put an, an entry in uh, for the Egyptian revolution into our old friend Google, or maybe he's not a friend, and, and, and Wikipedia stuff comes up first. There have been changes in the Google algorithm that has resulted in Google promoting its own services and products. Is there competition, do you think, between YouTube, for example, and Wikipedia on Google? Are you very sensitive to that as a Wikipedia authority? It's a really good question. Um, there is absolutely no doubt that Wikipedia gets fewer visitors because of the ways in which Google is extracting facts from Wikipedia into the knowledge panel, which is that little fact box on the right-hand side of the um, Google page when you search for things like what happened in Egypt in 2011, it will come up with the Egyptian revolution. And many people will choose to um, just read that fact box rather than go and visit the Wikipedia article. So that actually led to a decrease in the number of users or readers of Wikipedia, potential editors, and also potentially um, donor funding. So Wikipedia is reliant on um, funding from everyday people who use the site. So there's no doubt that it led um, to a decrease in users. Um, you know, what will, what's, what's interesting is how Wikipedia deals with the situation now because they've started, the Wikimedia Foundation has started a new enterprise called Wikipedia, Wikimedia Enterprise. And that's, um, will charge platforms like Google if they wish to use the services, a fee um, for using the data from Wikipedia in a more kind of stable way. But it's really um, the jury's out as to how successful this could be. My beef with Jimmy Wales, and we've act we, we used to actually have quite a lot of debates about this sort of stuff, is that uh, I was always critical that Wikipedia hadn't figured out a way to pay its contributors. 
that was my first beat. The second was the anonymity, although when it comes, I guess, to the Egyptian revolution, it's fairly self-evident that there needed to be a degree of anonymity. Are you in my camp, um, Heather, or in the, the camp that suggests that Wikipedia workers should should be rewarded in financial terms to make it a truly credible, viable product? Or could that ruin it? I think that um, Wikipedia would not be the uh, site that it is if uh, people were paid. Um, uh, the the kind of um, ways in which people think about the volunteer labor of um, building an encyclopedia for everyone um, and the kinds of people that attracts um, means that I don't think it actually would have been as successful as it was if people were paid. Um, and, you know, as you probably know, they actually did start by paying people to write articles, but they took so long and, um, you know, there was, they, there, they would have to write a whole article and yeah, it just didn't work. I guess, you know, you could think about micropayments or something like this. Now I would have, um, the only thing I'd say now actually, which I wouldn't have said 10 years ago, um, is that what's clear to me, um, is that if Wikipedia wants to broaden uh, the kinds of people that edit Wikipedia uh, in large parts of um, the global south, then um, it actually is starting to and is starting to think about uh, how to remunerate people because um, there's a lot of people who just don't have the time uh, to be able to edit Wikipedia in the same way. And it's a very fine line because Wikipedians um, really have always try to make sure that people are not paid to edit for for these reasons right you don't want people yeah i mean it's a, it's it's an ideological uh uh it's it's an enormously sensitive it's the third rail in your book writing the revolution when you really burrowed into the editing of the egyptian revolution did you find and this has been a persistent critique of wikipedia most of the people contributing were young men? Yes, overwhelmingly so. Uh, young men mm, in their 20s um, were kind of the leaders of the group. I, I only interviewed a very small section of um, the editors, but I did interview the two main, uh, two key editors and then a bunch of other really important players. Um, but almost all of them were men except for one editor called Aud, um, who is uh, a yeah, really important American editor who had spent time in Egypt. And particularly yes. in terms of the terrorist square and the kind of criminality that took place there with respect to women, I, I guess that's particularly sensitive. Did you also find that, I, I don't quite know how you become a main editor, but Again, one of the criticisms is there's a bit of a law of the jungle, a Darwinian struggle for power. And if you're persistent and you spend all your time doing it, you acquire more and more power. Is that what you found? Yes, um, definitely. It's about power. But I think, I guess, the only um, difference there is probably that it's power also gained through knowing the rules. So it's not that there aren't rules. There definitely are rules. 
Um, but the people who really succeed are the people who know the rules and can interpret the rules to their advantage, who are super persistent and also who are technically proficient, um, knowing how to do things like page moves, which is the technical term for renaming an article. It's kind of, uh, have a, it's like life itself. I mean, Machiavelli would have got this. I mean, he didn't understand the internet, but he certainly understood power and persistence. Uh, are, there, are there things that your research or you think that Wikipedia has unearthed that previous thinkers on power would have been surprised by? Hmm. That's a really great question. Um, I think that Wikipedia is really a great example of this kind of socio-technical power, which is not only power over knowledge, so knowing things about the world, but this kind of material power. And that's what's so interesting about Wikipedia. You don't think about it in terms of force, like material force, but it actually, when you start looking into it, you start to realize it's about people being able to manipulate code, manipulate the technology in really technical ways. Um, so it's not just about the, guy, the guys who know it all. It's, you know, about the world. It's about their ability to manipulate code that becomes really important. And I guess people like Lawrence Lessig talked about this. Um, yeah, another of my old friends, Larry not, Lessig. Is he still not. alive? Lawrence Lessig? Yes. Yes, he is. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Heather, you, you spent a lot of time looking through this entry. I mean, I've spent a little bit of time. It's so long and complicated and impressive. Footnotes, it's almost like a book. I mean, not almost like it's book. It's better than a book. I mean, what, what were the conclusions you drew in your book and in your research from the revolution, the, the Wikipedia entry on, 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 on the Egyptian revolution of 2011. What did you learn that you didn't, about Wikipedia that you didn't know beforehand? Well, I guess the single most important thing that I learned was how much power Wikipedians, Wikipedia editors have to really write history into being. So, you know, it feels like it's inevitable that there was a revolution in Egypt in 2011. But actually, you know, in the days before protests actually happened, a lot of the commentators, including from the BBC, said it's unlikely that protests would actually spill over from Tunisia um, to Egypt. And so you really get a sense watching this article unfold through hundreds and hundreds of edits over the days of uh, protests in January and February of 2011, that some of the things that the editors did were really so instrumental in reinforcing the idea that this was a revolution. It wasn't just protests, it was a revolution. So for example, one of the things um, that editors did was so Tunisia had happened um, in December um, of 2010. Uh, the dictator, Ben Ali, had fled. Um, but the, the article on Wikipedia was still not called revolution. It was called um, Tunisian uprising, I think. And so um, when Egypt happened afterwards, a lot of the editors were saying, well, we can't call this a revolution because Tunisia you know, the article that we've just been working on is called Uprising. 
And so what one of the editors did, well, a few of them actually, is they went over to the Tunisian um, article and they changed the name of the article to Revolution. And that became more fodder uh, for the editors uh, wanting to change the Egyptian Revolution article. But isn't this a classic problem that historians have always have and will always have? I mean, French historians have been arguing for the last 200 years about whether or not the French quote-unquote revolution was a real revolution the same about america so these are just words i mean I'm, i presume that most of the people writing on it wanted it to be a revolution it was an insurrection with the goal of a profound political revolution which wasn't actually realized but these kinds of things can never be finally resolved can they i mean we can never determine whether or not something really is a revolution of course you know um the eye is definitely in the beholder when we think about what determines a revolution. But I would definitely say that these aren't just words. If you can think back to 2011, whether this was a revolution or just an insurrection or protest even became absolutely essential for the Egyptians who were on the streets in 2011 um, and the extent to which they were enabled to initiate change in that country. So if it was just a protest, a protest, then you know, um, you know, much less change might have happened. And in fact, not enough change happened, as we know. But really, the naming um, of well, not enough in our minds. You, you and I probably agree on this, but I think if you were to talk. We did a show, for example, recently with uh, Shadi Hamid, who has a new book out, uh, The Problem of Democracy, America, the Middle East, and the Rise and Fall of an Idea. I think Hamid is ambivalent about what happened in Egypt, but he made it very clear that he's an Egyptian-American scholar of Egyptian politics, but he made it clear that most of his relatives in Egypt were absolutely thrilled that quote-unquote, the revolution never happened. So again, that's a question of where you stand or sit on these things. Yes, definitely. And that's one of the big points that I make in the book is that um, what ends up being called a revolution versus a protest on Wikipedia, as with any media or any representational force, is the result of a particular perspective, and that's the win. You know, the the fact that the, this group of people managed to win this fight to call it. I mean, Heather, with 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 all due respect, I didn't need you to tell me that. I mean, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Oh, that there's a single perspective. That, that, that power, you know, that I don't know who wrote it. Probably Churchill or Chowin or Mao or someone, that history is always written by the victors? Uh, well, yes, although they weren't the victors um, in... Well, in... and Nietzschean victors on the Egyptian front. I wonder if it's a mirror as well. Did you find, you know, that there was horrible violence and there continues to be horrible violence in Egypt between the street, you know, democratizers, um, progressives, and the military regime, whether it's Mubarak or uh, al-Sisi. Did you find that this was mirrored on Wikipedia itself? Were there uh, government operatives on Wikipedia trying to rewrite the Egyptian quote-unquote revolution to their own narrative? Very, very few, um, if any, actually, in this article. If this had happened now, 
that would be completely different. Um, and and I haven't I haven't actually looked at other articles, um, but you know I've been reading about other articles involving Taiwan, for example, um, or the Ukraine, and it's a completely different situation on, on Wikipedia now. Um, but yeah, just to go back to your earlier point, yes, it's definitely not new. Probably what I'm saying about um, about a single perspective winning on Wikipedia. But actually, for most of the world, Wikipedia does actually reflect the consensus truth about what happened. So people think that somehow it's um, the, the summary view that all of these opposing forces have somehow um, rationally decided is the, um, the sum of all human knowledge, as Wikipedia likes to say. Um, and a lot of people that consume facts from Google um, that are originally from Wikipedia actually um, don't question it at all and really see it as objective. Uh, there have been a bunch of studies that have been done recently on the ways in which people think that because it's automated or because it comes from the crowd, that it necessarily will be more objective, objective than if it comes from a group of people or an individual. Have you seen already, I mean, you've been studying this now for a while and the, the, the revolution now is 10 years old. Um, do you think there'll be shifts, cycles of, 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 of narratives on great historical events as Wikipedia evolves, as it matures, in the same way as our take on the American or the French or the Chinese or the English revolution has changed over time? Definitely. Uh, we see it happening already. Um, even in the, the 10 years that I looked at the um, Egyptian Revolution article, um, every now and again, when there's usually when there's a memorial um, or um, on a certain date um, where something happened during the event, uh, there'll be kind of some more activity and people will try and um, rename an article or rethink it. Um, and there's been, you know, some big cases actually where the whole perspective on um, the Nazi death, death camps in um, Hungary, for example, where it was demonstrating a very, very particular um, view and completely changed um, when people... Is there a left liberal biased on Twitter? I'd be curious. I, I didn't check before this conversation. But I wonder what Wikipedia tells us about January 6th in the United States. I'm convinced it wasn't a, an insurrection. It was just a load of drunken white people wandering around Washington, D.C. I think I'm in a minority. I certainly don't like these people, but I'm convinced it wasn't an insurrection. Are you finding still that it's the left and progressives who are dominating Wikipedia? Yeah, definitely not. Although that's completely difficult, a really impossible question to answer in a way because you have to sit your situate yourself, um, what, in the US or wherever you're talking about because it's a global encyclopedia, right? And you have people um, editing from all over the place. So that's why, in a way, it is really a war in so many ways. It's um, a place where people with very different views are struggling over this truth that they know um, will uh, have such a major priority in, in other kind of truth-making engines like Google. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I think it's a really hard question to answer, um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's anything 
um, substantial to say that it is um, either left-leaning or right-leaning. I think politics has changed generally anyway, and so it's kind of a new politics there, um, and it's it's this um, uh, utopian view of technology really dominates, so that's one of the kind of ideological frames on Wikipedia, um, but it's also Wikipedians themselves are coming up against major challenges. Although I'm assuming they're growing up, that you know, a lot of people have quite literally grown up on Wikipedia. I mean, if you've been doing, if you've been on Wikipedia for 20 years, you have 20 years of wisdom, 20 years of maturity. How is this playing out in Xi Jinping's um, China? Is, 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 uh, is, does Wikipedia exist in China? And um, can one anonymously post? So Wikipedia is banned in China, as far as I know. Um, but... Uh, there have been really interesting cases of um, government operatives or um, just citizens um, really trying to control narratives about um, Hong Kong uh, and Taiwan. So um, some of my colleagues have written about this, uh, some really, really interesting stuff happening, not only to control the articles, um, but also actually to control the governance of um, uh, other language encyclopedias by voting in people um, with particular ide ideological perspectives. So there's um, there's very new threats actually to to Wikipedia these days. And, and what about um, freedom to post on Wikipedia in CC's uh, Egypt? Um, I'm actually um, I'm not so sure about that. Um, whether there's been any restrictions um, in terms of Wikipedia editing in Egypt right now. I'm, I'm, I don't actually think that, that is the case. So did you, having researched this book, did you come out, I mean, I mean, you're always in, you're obviously in the Wikipedia camp. There's no doubt about that. You're not, there's not an issue. But do you think you came out of this project believing more or less in Wikipedia as our most reliable source for um, contemporary, at least, historical knowledge, or for that matter, all knowledge. It's not just history, it's everything, science, literature. I mean, I, I don't think I am in the Wikipedia camp. I think I was. Um, I'm definitely... We've reversed, Heather. <laughs> I used to be a critic, now I'm a believer. You used to be a believer, now you're a critic. Deb, I mean, that's definitely true. I think I'm a critic from the inside, um, which is slightly different. Um, I, I think that what Wikipedia is doing is amazing and unique and um, it's a great thing for many people. But I, what I think is that Wikipedia dominates world knowledge in a way that it shouldn't. And that's not Wikipedia's fault. Well, that's not, yeah, right. That's not Wikipedia. That's because everything else is so bad. I mean, uh, yeah. you had a, a great quote on Twitter, I found, asking... Is Wikipedia accurate is like asking if a library is accurate or a city is accurate. You're quoting someone else, but it's wise words. But of course, on Twitter, of all places, that's doubly problematic, given what Elon Musk is doing with Twitter. Completely. But then, you know, one of my friends um, retorted, he said, Heather, you of all people have told me that Wikipedia is unlike a library because it doesn't try to represent the authoritative truth about the world. And so um, there was a great retort, actually. And, and um, I think that 
we have to be really careful and we have to know where this knowledge comes from, like any representational. Well, I like, I, rather than a library, I like the idea of a city. I and mean, that's again, yes. and I, I always joked, I am a friend of my family is a Borges scholar. And I always joke that Borges invented the internet. And she was always getting upset, but he kind of did. He imagined it before it existed, just as, as you suggested, people were imagining the Egyptian revolution before it happened and writing it up on Wikipedia. Completely. And, you know, I like to use the analogy of a city, actually, for Wikipedia or a vast place. Because you can be on Wikipedia where there's, you know, where there's no one, you know, there's one or two people there, or you can be in, on Wikipedia with massive crowds of people. You can be with people who are really nice, and you can be with people who are carrying machetes. Um, it's really, really a vast place, and it's very different, you know. Um, if you go to uh, Zulu Wikipedia or Tosa Wikipedia from my home country in South Africa, you're going to see a very different kind of Wikipedia from English Wikipedia uh, about breaking news. So it's really vast and very, very different. It's what Mark Zuckerberg wants the metaverse to be. He has no idea of how to create it. Maybe you should just buy <laughs> Wikipedia. Not that it's for sale, and I'm sure, or I would hope Jimmy Wales would never sell anything to Mark Zuckerberg. No, he wouldn't sell it. Uh, it's not up for sale. No, it's not his to sell, even if he wanted and it's to. Not I mean, it's one of the ironies is that he was the ultimate startup entrepreneur who stumbled on this. I know, I knew Larry Sanger as well. Larry Sanger always claimed that Jimmy stole the idea from him. They fell out. But the irony is that of all those founding entrepreneurs of the internet, the Web 2.0 internet, Jimmy Wales is probably the most credible because he didn't cash out, because he didn't make a fortune. He's not Zuckerberg. He's not page or brin yes completely um and he's all the poorer for it but yes uh, he's not poor though i mean he lives does no, he still he live did. on the uh, on malvern high street in london um i don't i did go to that house actually i remember the apartment but he's, i'm not um, worried about jimmy's next meal i think he's quite well but he, he certainly didn't make the fortune that perhaps he deserved maybe it, it kept him credible um so we've done so many shows, Heather, on this whole crisis of truth. You're probably sick of talking about it. Online truth, the destruction of truth, one with John Rausch, for example, one of the more intelligent writers and thinkers on the internet and truth. I mean, are we barking up the wrong tree? I mean, it, it seems as though it's not perfect Wikipedia, but it's not bad. It kills most other things. It kills Britannica. It kills Twitter or YouTube or Facebook or, or Google. There is online truth and it resides uh, on, on Wikipedia. Would, is that fair? Hmm. Um, well, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't say that there is online truth and it resides on Wikipedia. What I would say is that Wikipedia is accurate most of the time. Um, and that like we, truth is accurate most of the time. Well, I mean, truth I, is true. I mean, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I, I, truth with, invert, you know, truth, well, quote, I think, unquote. I mean, so for me, it's about trustworthiness rather than, yeah, what, rather than truth. I so, mean, we trust well, it. I mean, I don't think I've ever been on Wikipedia and found propaganda. The only area where I find it's kind of annoying is with bios. I think that a lot of, writers and business people are paying public relations firms to put their entries online and they read like PR. Maybe that's not so important when it comes to something important like the Egyptian revolution. 
but I, I do find that as a, a resource for finding out about people, it's much less reliable than finding out about history. Well, I think what you're saying there is pointing to the answer, right? And the answer is that we need to know more about how these things are written. Um, and when we know more about how things are written, we understand better what we should trust, what we should trust more, what we should trust less. And in the end, that's what we need. We need to be able to know to what extent should I trust this to answer a pub quiz question or um, should I trust this in order to decide what treatment, medical treatment to take? And so understanding how it's made is really part of part of the answer. And that's what I'm trying to do with the book is trying to say, show people, well, like any representational force, any journalistic article, any book, it's subject to lots of social machinations. And understanding that is really central to better being able to use it in your everyday life in a very empowered way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And when you read these fluffy PR pieces and it turns you off. So Heather, you've looked at this, you've, you've looked inside the engine probably as closely and as objectively as most people. What would you like to see happen on Wikipedia to make it a better product, a more reliable product, uh, a, a, a product that can really um, capture history and information? You know, that's a really great question. And I think actually my the answer to that is not only on Wikipedia. I want Wikipedia to make a more active stand in how its facts get used in other engines. So mm, in, interesting. Uh, on search engines, but in particular on virtual assistants and smart speakers. Um, I want Wikipedia to be standing up and saying, we want verifiability. We want um, virtual assistants to be able to cite everything, uh, every fact that comes from Wikipedia in a way that enables people to go and have a look and see how it was made and by whom it was made. It's not actually about Wikipedia. Wikipedia, um, you know, at least in this respect, is doing things really well. But the, the future is really in trying to ensure that people, who, the third party users, use Wikipedia in a way that actually reflects the kind of contextual um, knowledge that they're producing. It's a radical idea, Heather. You're suggesting in, a, in an odd kind of way that we need to rebuild the internet from inside out. And we talked about Section 230. Some people believe that if Supreme Court gets rid of it, it will destroy the internet. But you're suggesting that maybe inter uh, Wikipedia can be the beginning, can be the core, but we need to turn it inside out. It's, it's, it's a very idealistic, attractive idea. How is it going to work? How are you going to be able to convince the Googles and the Facebooks and the open AIs and all the other owners of, of, of information online, which are businesses, to play by Wikipedia rules? Um, so it's not just me, I think, and I'm actually working well, on I don't really mean just you. I know it's not just yes. you, but how is okay. anyone going to be able to convince them? <laughs> yes. Um, well, even us, we can't, we won't, I don't think we will be able to convince um, a lot of these players. But what I would say is that um, what I'm trying to do in my own small way um, is try and work on linked data standards. Now, Linked data is the way that the web is moving, um, and a lot of these, uh, this is the ways in which 
um, Google and other platforms are able to extract data using all these metadata standards. And so there are people who are trying to influence those metadata standards in a way that actually helps um, verifiability, which is a really a cornerstone of trust on the internet. And so what, and what I'm trying to do is try and build new standards for virtual assistants and smart speakers, for example, to be able to give you facts in a way that actually um, helps you and empowers you to understand where those facts are, are coming from. And, you know, we may not persuade uh, Google to use these standards, um, but I'm hopeful that we start small and we start with um, some of the open source projects that are like Mozilla and others that are trying to build these projects um, and build alternatives. Because I think more than anything, I think um, the internet just needs examples of different ways, like different ways of doing things, really practical different ways of doing things. And standards are really where, where, where we can see this kind of stuff happening. I wish I could share your, your optimism on the open standards, Mozilla versus Google Chrome, for example. But we've been hearing that for 20 years. And in the meantime, it's the commercial browsers and commercial companies like Google and Facebook that dominate. Mozilla still exists, but uh, we're doing this interview on Chrome, for better or worse, because it's the only way in which Restream works. So I, I can't say I share your optimism on that front. What's going to change, Heather? Well, I think what you're imagining is that everyone moves over to use Mozilla. But what I'm suggesting is that um, with the internet, we always um, uh, share kind of um, ideologies or perspectives about the way that um, things should be. Um, and, and so if, you know, we start by showing Google that there is a way that you could attribute uh, facts in a way that um, empowers people, then maybe they will start to use some of the same kinds of, of um, approaches, right? So it's not about everyone moving to open source. It's about um, people just starting to integrate these kinds of practices. But, but, but as you said, I wasn't, I'm not sure if you said this before or after we went live, the, the Google algorithm has changed. Wikipedia traffic has dropped because Wikipedia, uh, Google is a for-profit company and its product is ultimately designed to promote its own services and products like YouTube. So don't we need an entirely new kind of infrastructure if the thing's going to work? Oh, yes. I mean, that is definitely a revolution, uh, just like in Egypt. Not a failed <laughs> one, though, right? No, I mean, above all else, uh, we need competition. Um, we need a breakup of the monopolies. That, that is something structurally that absolutely has to happen. Um, and that would be ideal. You know, um, but in my own life and in my own work, I, I try and build things and um, and I've seen that the internet has changed. You know, even companies that um, are all about profits um, have sometimes done things because they know that people care about them. And I think the truth stuff, I will never be tired of talking about truth actually on the internet because I think that, you know, we've all worked out that there's a problem here, but what we need is um, more kind of practical solutions. And so those are the things that I'm working um, towards. Like what makes something more trustworthy? You know, what makes um, it more accountable? 
Um, and, and so, you know, I'm working on my tiny corner of the internet um, trying to help this along when I know that actually structurally major changes also need to happen. But I'm trying yeah, to think... One, one lesson we can learn is from Microsoft, they're not an ideal company, but I was just at the Techonomy event at the weekend and we were talking about how Microsoft really has put its resources on the table in terms of... Um, its carbon initiatives and its commitment to fighting global warming. So, so maybe the, the big tech companies aren't quite as evil as some people suggest. It's good stuff, Heather. Lovely to talk to you. And that isn't the book. Your book is Writing the Revolution, Wikipedia and the Survival of Facts in the Digital Age. Fascinating book, fascinating subject, sort of simultaneously pessimistic and optimistic. Probably we might call it a realistic book. Congratulations on that. Uh, what else would you uh, suggest people read in addition to Wikipedia? Any books that have caught your fancy recently? Oh, yes. I'm really interested in uh, kind of new uh, formats of nonfiction books. So I just read this amazing book that's not new at all, but it's called Stasi Land by Anna Funder. Yeah, it's and, a great book. Oh, it's a beautiful book. Yeah um and so yeah i would definitely urge people to write uh, to read that um and also read the coast which is by eleanor limprecht and it's about um uh, a small hospital in um the 18th century in sydney um and yeah super interesting historical fiction 